ministry. Uh, I know you have been well served through Keith and Matt. I haven't listened to Matt's sermon, um, so I don't know what he got away with saying last week. Um, But we continue now and have reached Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And as we think about this passage and its implications for us today, may we be open to whatever you are saying. Whether it be a word of challenge or encouragement, may our hearts be humble to receive your message to us today. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. So, make a U-turn where possible. Who has ever heard this? Who has ever driven anywhere with sat-nav? Yeah. Does anyone... Actually, we have one person who who was brave enough to admit that they read a paper, a newspaper made of paper. Does anyone still use their road atlas? Yes. Oh, Oh, there's quite a few. Quite a few using it. I mean, the advantage of a road atlas is that you can get the whole scale, can't you? You know, if you just read sat-nav, you just see a little tiny screen, and you could be anywhere in the country, but you don't know whether you're north, south, east, or west. Um, Now, uh, we've got some pictures here of some people who were very good at following their sat-nav. And this is, next one, Keith, it's not, you know. So, this is what happens when you're really good at following sat-nav, or not. Um, The message, make a U-turn where possible, probably doesn't really apply here. I think we might be beyond that. Uh, next one, yep, yep, because you would not notice that you're traveling onto a beach in a very, very large lorry. Uh, 
think that probably took quite a while to dig out. Uh, next one. Yes, yes. I particularly like the sign on the side of that lorry. Uh, delivering winners. Now, this is in Cornwall. And if you, I mean, there are, we all know, there are hundreds and hundreds of these sorts of photographs. And this is in Cornwall, which is a particularly rich vein of sat-nav fails because of the, the narrow lanes. If anyone uh, knows Cornwall, and I know people have just been, come, been on holiday in Cornwall, there are lots of narrow lanes, uh, and this is what happens when you just follow sat-nav. And then the final one, warning, bridge washed out. Unless you feel that this is an attempt to deprive you of your liberty, keep on driving. Thank you, Keith. Because what is the most important thing to remember when you are following sat-nav? You're still in charge of the car, the lorry. You still have to read the signs to see where you're actually going. And we've got some classic examples of people who were so focused on sat-nav that they didn't look up and see around where they were going. They didn't read the signs. And in this story of Jonah... We need to read the signs that we are being given. Now, the opening verses verse of this chapter will, for those of you that remember and know the story of Jonah, very closely mirror the opening of chapter 1 that Keith shared with us a couple of weeks, or shared with you and I've listened to on uh, the, uh, off the website, uh, that Keith shared a couple of weeks ago. And he said that God is a God of reconciliation. Jonah was in tune with God. He was listening, and we need to stay in tune with God. And Jonah acted, even though he went in the opposite direction of where he was called. Jonah still acted on the message that he had heard from God. And even as we note those similarities and those lessons that we can still learn in this chapter, as we learned in chapter 1, we're going to look a little bit at what God was doing in chapter 3? What was God doing behind the scenes and in this passage? Well, the first thing to notice, of course, is that God gave Jonah a second chance. He is a God who came, who gives second chances. Verse 1 very specifically says, the message came to Jonah a second time. Now, Jonah might have been tempted to think that he'd blown it, that if, even if God was still interested in going to the city of Nineveh, that he would send somebody else. But God was still calling Jonah. And it's interesting that Jonah still had to be listening because he didn't automatically go to Nineveh after the fish spat him out. There was another call. God affirmed what he wanted him to do. He still had plans. He still wanted reconciliation uh, for the people of Nineveh. And he still thought Jonah was the man, which is perhaps a little bit surprising to us. But Jonah had to take that second chance. And we need to be a people of second chances. The church today particularly in the West, is being given a second chance. God still calls us. Just over three years ago, we all went into lockdown. And let's be honest, the effects of that, we are still feeling.
feeling in our society, in ourselves, in our family lives, and in our churches. And this church, we had a particularly difficult time in lockdown. But we have a second chance to think, well, what should church look like post-pandemic? What should church look like going forward? Where is God calling us a second time with the same message, but to still go? The culture that we live in now is very different to the culture in which this church was set up. But we still have the same vision to give the message that God gives us to proclaim. And do I, I wonder, do we really realize what a blessing it is and how thankful we should be that God gives us second chances? In the past two years, as we have come out of pandemic, over 30 Baptist churches have closed. And even where Baptist churches or other churches, at 30 just Baptist churches, are still open, many more are struggling financially, and many are facing the hard decision that when their current minister has retired or will shortly retire, they are no longer in a position to call a full-time replacement or a replacement at all. I understand today is the last service of Harnham Free Church. Just up the road, it is closing today, I believe. This is a church that we have partnered with in the past for Good Friday services. But after today, it will not exist as a separate fellowship. And we know people that are there. We, we know they are good, faithful people. God gives us a second chance. Are we willing to work out what he is calling us to do together? To be obedient, to go and proclaim the message that he has given us for the people he has called us to reach in Wilton and the surrounding villages. Because we are not immune to the same pressures that all those other churches have faced. If we don't take our second chance, there will come a time when the doors close here too. Let us be thankful and realize how blessed we are that we have a second chance. The second thing that God is doing in this passage is that he changes people. We are not given the time scale from when Jonah was spat out of the fish to the time of the second call and of Jonah's arrival in Nineveh. We don't know what Jonah was doing in that time of traveling, of waiting. There is silence in the Bible, but I think that we can detect that God was still present with Jonah, still seeing what the Ninevites were doing, and that he was working even during that silence. And I believe we can see that by what happened next. Jonah obeyed and the city responded. 
Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So it might seem obvious to say, but Jonah was clearly a changed man. But I don't believe it was the fish who changed him. I believe it was God at work in his life. Circumstances come and go, but it is the Spirit of God that transforms us, not just life's events or our reaction to them, not just our programs and our activities. It is God and only God who can truly change people. This change can be seen in Jonah. He went from disobedience to obedience. He had to accept that even if he was not, God was still interested in reconciliation and had a desire for the Ninevites. God still wanted to speak prophecy into that city and he still wanted Jonah to do it. There is no indication that Jonah's opinion of this city had changed. But what was changed was his attitude to obeying the call of God on his life. He became willing to sacrifice his own preferences and his own comfort for the sake of obedience and for the sake of the people of Nineveh. And just as we can see that God was at work in the life of Jonah, we can see that he was at work in that city. They responded to Jonah's call on day one, on day one of his visit. God had been preparing that city, I believe. They responded immediately. And let's be honest, the message that Jonah was bringing wasn't exactly good news. In 40 days, this city will be overthrown. They could have laughed at him. They could have run him out of, time, out of town. Because who wants to hear that sort of message? But they responded in repentance. Verse 4 says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. It doesn't say they believed Jonah. It says they believed God. Jonah had an authenticity in his message. And if it is God who convicts, it must have been God who prepared those hearts. How else could a pagan, pluralistic, Gentile people respond in repentance but by God's grace? Jonah must have been walking into ripe harvest fields. If he went in authenticity, the other point to make is that he went. He didn't send somebody else. He didn't send a scroll to be read out in the, in the town square. He spoke and the message started to spread. The people did his work for him. It spread so much that it reached the king. There is no indication in the passage that Jonah went to the palace. He didn't go to Buckingham Palace equivalent and preach directly to the king. News reached the king. And then he called for a fast himself. He issued a decree 
and like all politicians, made out what the people thought was a good idea, made out that it was his idea. So where is God already working? Are we willing to go there ourselves, not send somebody else, not expect somebody else to give that message? Where are we going where people are ready to receive? And are we willing to be as brave as Jonah in proclaiming the message that God gives us? And if we were in and amongst the people of Wilton, how long would it be before they start gossiping about what's going on at the Baptist church and doing our job for us? After all, they spread the word of our incredibly good cake making after the coronation, for those of you that are on the Wilton Facebook page will know what I'm talking about. And I know many of us, me included, do not actually live in Wilton but God still calls us as this fellowship of believers to reach the harvest field of this com community. So do those of us who don't live here make a point of perhaps at least buying our milk or our bread or our newspaper in this community? If we don't work, do we come in on a Thursday to visit the market? Do we buy a coffee or a drink at one of the coffee shops or the pubs? On a Friday night, the music group are doing their best to support Wilton Grill. Are our faces recognized and seen in this community, or do they just see our cars? And I didn't know, I didn't know that we were going to have a, you know, has anyone got this car moment, obviously, when I noted that. So when we are in this community and thinking about our service, let us not limit ourselves to being building-centric, being focused on being in this building, but let us be in and amongst the community. Let us go out to where God is preparing hearts. Let us go out into the harvest field because it is God who changes people. And then God responded, and he relented. The Ninevites put on sackcloth, and they declared a fast. These are outward symbols of repentance. But God noted the inner change too, and he relents from sending the city's destruction. In verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. In many Bibles, this is translated that God changed his mind. He said he was going to destroy the city, but then he did not. He saw that their repentance was genuine. Not only did they adopt the outward symbols of repentance, they turned from their evil ways. And God gave them a second chance. Now, the response from God is not a sign that God is changeable or fickle. It is actually showing that he is true to his character. 
in Jeremiah, that prophet who was called to be a prophet before he was conceived. In Jeremiah 18, he write, God writes through Jeremiah, If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Jonah had given them a 40-day warning, and there implicitly was the opportunity for repentance. That's what the Ninevites clung to. And they were right. This pagan Gentile city were right to believe that God had the power to destroy them. They had to assume that they and believe that that power was real. And they were right to believe that they had a chance to repent and God would relent. Their repentance was true and God relented. And this should encourage us. We have a post-Christendom society, it's called, where people used to respect Christianity but no longer do. But God still says that if there is true repentance, he will respond. If only people would hear the message and read the signs. And it is this true repentance that Jesus refers to of the story of Jonah. If we turn to Matthew chapter 12, just four verses. Matthew chapter 12, 38 to 42, six verses. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. It is this true repentance of the people of Nineveh that Jesus holds up against the scribes and the Pharisees who thought that they had their religion and their righteousness before God all sewn up. And they were asking for a sign. They were asking Jesus for a sign. And he says, look up. The sign is in front of you. If you don't read the signs, you are following Satnav off a cliff. The Ninevites responded to Jonah. But one greater than Jonah was staring them in the face and they couldn't see it. They were just following their own directions and not reading the sign that was already there. 
At this point in the narrative, in the life of Jesus, in this conversation with the Pharisees, he had already been performing miracles. His life was already fulfilling prophecy. He was preaching with power, and yet they did not respond to the Son of God, as well as the pagan Gentile Ninevites responded to a second-chance prophet warning them that their city was going to be destroyed. Even with the decisive sign of the resurrection, the scribes and the religious elite, the Pharisees, they did not see who Jesus was and they refused to repent. It is this example of true repentance that Jesus wanted the people to learn from. And therefore, that is the example of true repentance of which we should sit up and take note. Let us not be like the Pharisees, so convinced of our own rightness that we fail to read the signs, that we fail to respond to God's message, to God's call in humility and repentance. Let us not fall foul of the same sin that the Pharisees fell foul of. And if today you have never personally repented, turned from evil and recognized Jesus as the Son of God, I would urge you to respond. Please speak to me or one of the deacons. Because now is the time to turn our eyes upon Jesus. He is the sign of all we need, of who God is, and of our need of repentance. So we have a God who gives second chances. He didn't give up on Jonah or the Ninevites. He still had a message that he wanted Jonah to proclaim. He was still his chosen voice piece. What are we going to do with our second chance? God is a God who changes people. Only he can change people. He is working in the silent periods. He is working when we can't perhaps always see it. But we see the evidence of Jonah who went from disobedience to obedience, who went to sacrificially prioritizing the needs of others, to being willing to obey, to go himself, wherever God was calling. And we have a God who responds to our true repentance. He sent Jonah to the Ninevites. He sent Jesus for the world. God, Jesus is God's decisive sign. So as we opened our service today with the words, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us always do that and hold each other accountable for doing that. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our final hymn speaks of the transformation that God gives to us when we place our faith and our hope in him. He gives us freedom. The chains of sin are broken. So if you are able, let us stand and sing. And can it be?